Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning. Man, you are the faithful. The day of daylight savings time and you are a church, you are truly saved. (laughs) Everybody else, yep, that's right. Everybody else on Judgment Day, good luck. But those who are here today, you know you're safe. All right. (laughs) Uh, I'm a kid, kind of. So, so this... uh, we're, we're continuing our series in Corinthians, and uh, this one's, I'm, I'm excited about today, and it's, it's, it's kind of good, there's not a lot of us, because it's kind of family business in a way that he's dealing with them and for us, and we're going to tackle that subject, but he, he, in this subject, like, we don't have much longer left, and then we're going to switch to a new series in just a couple of weeks here for Easter, um, but as we do, uh, we'll pick up Corinthian letters again later this year. But as we go through, he tackles some major subjects for them, and it translates into some major subjects for us. The tough thing about it is when you become a Christian, you learn all new stuff. And the longer you follow Jesus, the more new stuff you're learning. So like, I, I was a worship leader for like 20 plus years, and... When I was a new young worship leader, early 2000s, and I'm learning guitar and I'm learning all this stuff, I realized how much I didn't know. You know, you ever heard that phrase, you don't know what you don't know? You know, it was one of those scenarios. I remember like a capo. Some of you are like, what? Say the word capo for me. Capo. It's a word, okay? C-A-P-O. It's a thing you use on a guitar to change the key uh, that you're playing it, really to change the shape. But I had no clue how to use a capo. I remember just sitting with a friend who was teaching me guitar saying, what are those clips you put on your guitar? Those look cool. I want to try that. And I'm like, well, there's a purpose. You don't just put it on. And, and things like that, or, or chords, you know, oh, you're talking about the strings on the guitar? No. Those are strings. Those are not chords. Okay, there's chords within a key of music. And then, and then a few years into being a worship leader, uh, people started me teaching me the words like transpose, to take it from one key to another, to transpose it. Some of you, who, anybody here non-musical and you're like, I have no clue what he's saying at all. Yeah, okay, so that's right. And same thing here. I had no idea. I remember one time, a fairly famous worship leader had come up to our church, and I got to play with him, and he was like, do you know the Nashville number system? (laughs) And, you know, of course, yeah, absolute numbers, Nashville, yep, been there. So, and I had no clue, and he's like yelling out, four, two, one, (laughs) and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Like live in worship, could not follow him playing the wrong chords most of the time. And, and the idea is they, they just transferred from chords. If you know what number one is, the key of the song, then, then 
then they transferred it into numbers to just make it easier when you're transposing. Um, and I didn't know that yet. And, and so it's like a new language. It's a new understanding. It's a new way of communicating things and, and expressing music and learning it. The same thing is true when you become a follower of Christ. Language changes. You know, there's times we don't want to be too Christian-y so that people can't understand us. We don't want to be too weird. But the truth is your language is going to change, right? If you're still cussing up a storm after several years of being saved, you're missing something. You're missing out on something. If you, if you, if we say, you know, we, we don't say good luck. We, we say be you're right, yeah, because we don't believe in luck anymore. So we believe in blessing, right? Sounds Christian-y, but it's kind of true, too. We don't believe in luck, okay? I know, this is St. Patrick's week. Like, I don't know if you can say that. Well, actually, St. Patrick is called St. Patrick because he was a missionary, and uh, he would also not say the luck of the Irish. He actually brought the gospel to Ireland. Really cool story. He was not Irish, by the way. Mm. Oh, whoops. And... Uh, and, and he changed, literally changed the country, and he changed a lot of their language, too. Ireland now is like Catholic Central, right? So, many, so much of Chicagoland is Catholic. How many here were formerly Catholic? Just put your hand up if you don't mind saying so. Everybody on this side, you guys are all sinners from the past, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? So many people, right? Why? Well, you were... You, may very well be part, one of three things, Polish, Italian, or Irish, right? Why? Because they immigrated here, and they stopped here in Chicago. Thank you, because we love your food, right? (laughs) Um, But he changed the language of a nation. He changed the understanding of the way they do things. Now everybody associates Irish with the term Irish Catholic, right? We, that's how we say it very often. But it, that's not the way it was. The language changed. The people changed. Same thing in Corinth. He had to show up and say, we've got to change some things. The way you're doing some things. And some things you just need to understand it differently. Some things you don't have to change, but you have to understand it differently. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 4. So what about eating meat that's been offered to idols? So here's the thing. Let me pause right there. They had a temple that they would sacrifice these animals to, and people would go, and like a restaurant, they would go and eat the animals that have been sacrificed to an idol of some kind. And several of the Christians were doing that. Like, I need to eat, and it was kind of like a restaurant. We're going to go there, we're going to eat the meat, and then go about our day. And other Christians are in the church of Corinth are really upset about it. Like, you can't do this anymore. And here's what he says about it. We all know that an idol is not really a god, and that there's only one god. So there may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people may actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there's one God, the Father, by whom all things were created, for whom we all live. And there's one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things were created and through whom we live. 
However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that's been offered to idols, they think of the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by anything we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. We don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom doesn't cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that's been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. So when you're sinning against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I'll never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. He's using hyperbole here. Paul didn't stop eating meat. He's making a point. If it causes somebody else to stumble, just don't do it or avoid it if it's going to bring them down. He basically unpacks the idea, can you go and eat the meat in the temple sacrificed to an idol? And here's what he simply said, idols aren't real. Now some of us, the, the extra charismatics are like, yeah, but the demonic, but the demonic, they're in the idols. Well, they're not in the idols, they're behind it, they're not in it, okay? But he made a point. Now, was the demonic in play in that temple and to those idols? Yeah. And you know what else he said? It's fine to eat the meat. That's not the issue. The issue is not whether or not you can eat the meat. You can eat the meat. But some of you cannot. Because it's too much for you. It's too hard for you. It binds you up. You struggle. You're stumbling over it. You're having a hard time reconciling that with your faith. Fair enough. Okay? Don't make that person struggle because you're eating it. Let's try and put it in a modern context. If I took, if we all went to lunch today at like Fogo de Chao, right? Great Brazilian steakhouse. And we, we were like, this is great. This is just, just great food, great meat. But I, I told you, by the way, just before we eat, they've got a new thing now where they're sacrificing the, the meat before they eat it to L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology. <laughs> um, you know, just, just before you eat it, that's what it's been sacrificed to. You know, we, some people would be like, I can't eat this. This is going up to Scientology. The proceeds might go back to it, et cetera, et cetera. And some others would be like, meat, bring it on. I don't think L. Ron Hubbard's going to possess me. Now, how many people would look at that? And, and here's what's tough. When we're extra, here's what I found. The extra spirituals or the extra people have a hard time with it. And the under spirituals pay no attention. <laughs> We just ignore all of it. Well, the under-spirituals need to look out for their brothers and sisters. And the over-spirituals need to realize what Jesus has already done for you. When you come to know Christ, it's finished. The demonic has no more hold over you. It doesn't have influence. It doesn't, doesn't mean it can't come against you and, and push in on your life and affect you. But we are not living in a Christian life of 
walking on eggshells and avoiding landmines. That is not the walk of a believer. We are free, and idols aren't real. Is the demonic real? Yes. But they're not pit bulls. They're chihuahuas. Their bark sounds loud because that's what they do. They intimidate. They lie. But they're, they have nothing on us. There's a great story um, in the book, The Bondage Breaker, where he says, you know, as a kid, he, they would go to this farm, and the guy had this dog, and this dog would come running at him, barking, and he would jump on the hood of his car as a little boy to get away from the dog because he was scared of it. And then as he grew up, you know, it was this tiny little thing you could punt. You know, and eventually learn, like, this thing can't do anything to me. And he, you know, he learned, I've got something over this. If you are growing in Christ and maturing, you come to a knowledge that says, I actually don't have to be afraid of these things. I don't have to be concerned. Um, and I, I don't, the best part about the walk with Christ is the Holy Spirit is much more the convictor. We don't have to worry about, did I misstep, did I misstep, did I misstep? And if you are worried about that, you need to grow in your relationship with your Father. Right? That's the first thing it says in the Lord's Prayer. My Father, which art in heaven. It doesn't start with, forgive me of my sins. It doesn't start with, keep me from darkness. It doesn't start with, don't give me temptation. It says, you and I, you're my son, you're my daughter. That's where we start. And so the same is true in your walk with Christ in this life. You don't walk around things afraid. And some people are like, but the demonic, but the demonic. Look, demons are everywhere, just like there's darkness everywhere. But I'll walk into any room and turn the lights on. Just walk in and turn the lights on. Darkness is afraid of you, not the other way around. We have let the enemy push us around for too long as believers. Stop. Don't. Don't be afraid of what the enemy might do. He's afraid of what you might do. And if he can seize you with fear in a lie of intimidation, remember, he's a chihuahua that maybe sounds like a pit bull. And if he can make you believe that, see, the enemy doesn't have power over you. The only power the enemy has over you is his ability to get you to believe the lie. So if you're like, I can't eat that, I can't watch that, then you can't. Because you believe it. Now again, there, we're going to keep unpacking. Does oh, that mean we can do everything we want, Pastor Brian? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, let's try and put this in our context for a second. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. You got to love me. <laughs> some people here, even in our midst, in our region, some people love and some people hate the idea of doing a trunk or treat as an outreach in partnership with Halloween. Why? Because they see everything associated with Halloween as evil. Fair. Okay. A lot of things are. If in April I dressed my kid up as a psycho clown with a murder costume, nobody would be like, that's cute. 
Maybe like we should call some kind of place and maybe have them inspect what's going on in Brian's house, right? But we do it in October, and you're like, that's cute. Let's do the whole family, right? We celebrate murder and, and death and gore. That's weird. But to leverage something to win the lost, even when that thing is dark, as long as we know that's not our territory, there is actually nothing wrong with that. Now, but for some of you who say, well, I can't take part in it, fair, that's okay. Uh, we know some people who they've had a background in the occult or witchcraft, so it's just too unsettling for them. You know what? That's where Paul says it's violating your conscience. What some people do is they mistake the Holy Spirit and their conscience. What's the difference? Well, so the Holy Spirit, most of what he's going to say to us, he's going to say for all. Okay? The conscience is what God implanted inside of you, which is your gauge of right and wrong. It's, It's made by him, but it's made specifically for you. Some of us, and we're going to get into it more. Some people, you can't touch alcohol, no matter what you, what you want, to, because it's sin for you. And some of you can have a beer or a glass of wine, and it's no big deal. Everybody's different. Some people, for example, okay, I'll be honest, I like movies that are violent. <laughs> I don't mean horror movies, but like, die hard, bring it on. <laughs> it's my Christmas t- tradition. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Now, some of you are like, that is terrible, Pastor Brian, and I can't believe that. That's because it bothers your conscience. It's not because I have a seared conscience. It's because to that, you have a sensitive conscience. But there's other things I don't, uh, that I do have a sensitive conscience to that do bother me, that may not bother you. There are some things, this is going to rock your world, this is what Paul's saying, there are some things that would be sin for you that aren't sin for somebody else. So a trunk or treat as an outreach to win lost people, even if we do or don't agree with Halloween, isn't sinful or delving into anything dark. It's going up to darkness and leveraging it for the sake of the gospel. It's eating the meat sacrificed to idols. You see what I mean? Because we know we're not messing with the idols. We're just here using this for what we need to use it for. Let me put put it in another example. Mardi Gras. Few of us went to Mardi Gras. We did not partake in Mardi Gras. We went and witnessed and shared the gospel at Mardi Gras. There are some people who told me, like, I want to go, but I have this or this weakness in my life, and I think it's maybe a bad idea for me right now. Can some of us go, be a light and a blessing and not partake and be okay? And some others, it would cause them to stumble and struggle and become sin for them. Yes, two things can be true at once. Do you see what I mean? But the bigger narrative of this passage is a law of love and of unity. Everything we do has to be driven by this. Our, our, our protests or our promoting of, our getting behind it or fighting against it, everything we do in this passage, the theme of it 
is a law of love and unity in the church. What we object to should be done so in love and in unity. What we agree with should be done so in love and in unity. It's a good trick of the enemy to divide a church and a people over things that aren't straight biblical issues. There are churches that have split. We've, I've read about them in church. Over colors of carpet, which is insane. And we laugh at that. This isn't that much different. And Paul's pointing out, this isn't a gospel issue. You've got to navigate what is and isn't a gospel issue with a law of love and unity. Some rules are for you that aren't for all. Okay, here's another example. When I... When, I, when Ange and I went in the ministry years ago, we decided very early on we just wouldn't drink. Alcoholism ran in my family. Alcoholism ran in her family. We knew we were both called in the ministry. And there was nothing we're going to miss out on by not drinking. There's never been a day I've looked back and like, you know, I wish I drank that day. <laughs> never had that day, you know. Like, man, I really missed it. <laughs> You know, uh, somebody was asking me uh, recently, we're, we were somewhere else, and we're saying we're from Chicago, and they're like, oh, St. Patrick's Day parade. I'm like, I don't drink. They're like, oh, well, never mind then. Because <laughs> I get nothing. Like, to me, beer tastes like what it looks like. But more power to you if you can do it in balance, you know. Uh, it. D- d- it's not much of a temptation for me. It's not much of a draw for me, but other things are. One of the things I'll battle, obviously, I battle at times gluttony. Like, that was good. Let's have three more. <laughs> you know? And the truth is, the Bible makes pretty clear that's a sin too. And I battle that. And some of you don't. Some of you, you've just been skinny your whole life. And I love you, but I also hate you. You know? Like, good for you. We always give Michael a hard time because he's the thin one among us as the elders. You know, we give him a hard time. Why? Because we feel shame. That's why. All right. James 4, 17, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Now, what we try and read that as, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. Like, we're going to put that on everybody else. No, no, take it on you. Okay, you've got to walk that out, okay? So you won't see me watching the Saw movies. That disturbs me, disturbs my conscience. It doesn't sit right with me, okay? But I can watch Braveheart, and I'm like, this is awesome. (laughs) What's the difference? Well, there's a lot, and that's a long way to unpack. But the difference is good versus evil, you know, glorified for the sake of enjoying violence, for the sake of enjoying the point of why, why they sacrificed. There's a lot of things there. But different people are different ways, and some people aren't. You know, uh, some of my kids, some of them can watch certain movies, others can't. It's okay. You don't have to feel bad because you're like, well, how come they can watch that and I can't? Because you have a different conscience. God made you different. And other things don't bother you that, that would bother them. I also, here and there, I love certain types of heavy, hard metal and rock. 
But you know where you lose me? It's full-on screamo, where they never actually sing. And I don't think that's demonic. I just think it's awful. <laughs> okay? But some of you in this room are like, that's amazing. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> like, is that sin for me? No. It's just different. Not everything, if it's not plain in the Bible, if it's not plain, if we can't just understand it, sometimes it's not right and wrong, it's just different. And that's okay. We worry that we're all going to fall into sin all the time. But that's not where we start from, is it, right? We, what did Paul say? We're coming from this, we know who our father is, and we know who we belong to, and he tells us to call us ourselves as sons and daughters. We operate from that mode, not trying to get to that mode. We need to worry far more about, about what those beside us and those who are lost are doing than we are misstepping ourselves, if that makes sense. Keep on going, all right? Since we planted spiritual seeds among you, I think this is in the, are we into chapter 9 now? Yeah. Since we've planted spiritual seeds among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have entered even greater rights to be supported? But we never use this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I've never used any of these rights, and I'm not writing to suggest I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I did this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I have no choice, for God's given me a sacred trust. What's my pay? The opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news, even though I'm a free man with no master. I become a slave to all to bring many people to Christ. Two sections in this, in this section. Section A. Number one, sacrifice is the mark of a leader. Somebody who says, well, I'm free in Christ, so I can do what I want without care for the brother and sister, they're not that free. When I was a young man coming into ministry full-time, I had an earring right here. Yep, back then that was the not gay ear. I, don't ask me. I didn't make up the rule. It's stupid, I know. Um, and... I don't know why, <laughs> okay? Um, and, and my pastor sat me down, and I, there were some people in church, when I was just a volunteer there, they were not okay with it. They are mostly older people. And then when I came on staff of the church, the pastor was like, hey, you gotta take that out. You can't, like, I have no issue with it, but others do, you just gotta lose it if you're on church staff. Now, fast forward to now, would the pastor care? No, they wouldn't care. And you know what, any ear, any, pretty much any orifice now, just <laughs> metal it up. But back then, <laughs> you couldn't, right? And, and I 
basically, I, I, I didn't get mad at him. I just said, yeah, all right. Because it was jewelry. I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. Because when you're trying to lead people to Christ, you say, well, they've been serving God a long time, and they're just old. They should get over it. But they're not. So who, somebody has to choose to grow up. Somebody has to choose to sacrifice and lay themselves down. And just so you know, just that passage I read, and we're going to speak on this a lot more in May, but that passage I read, he just basically said, yeah, you should be paying those who minister and by giving. We believe in tithe. Just so you know, like, we don't make a lot. You're more than generous to us. Well, part of the reason we don't make a lot, I mean, I've literally, fights are not the word, but definitely at times there's been a back and forth with the elders because they're like, you need to take more. And we're like, no, because that's what leaders do. That's not a compliment to me, but what I am saying is they're like, well, I don't believe in tithe. Then you just, then you've chosen something in the Bible to not believe. And it's not me you're keeping it from, it's the Lord. This isn't so Brian gets another raise. Oh, Brian, Pastor Brian went to Florida. Yep, and I also sat through a several hour timeshare presentation. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Yep. I don't golf. <laughs> I wasn't on a golf course. Um, anyway, all right. <laughs> but we are willing to sacrifice for somebody else. I know some people specifically at our trunk retreat, they actually don't like it, and they all have a trunk because they believe in the outreach even though they don't like when it is because they're sacrificing some of their own feelings. Isn't that interesting? Now, that being said, others are like, it, it doesn't sit right with my conscience, and i got to step away, and I'm like, I completely understand, and I applaud your stand. Either way. That's what leaders do. We sacrifice for one another, and we still think the best about one another. Even when we disagree. That's what we do as people of God. We come alongside, and what can I do for you? How can I do that for you? You know, there was a a few years ago when Angie and I were at odds, like, extensively. I know. You guys don't fight. (laughs) Yeah, my kids laugh hysterically over that statement because they've heard many, many, many fights. And I remember one day just so frustrated because we were at such an impasse over, I couldn't tell you what, what, you never remember what you fought over almost ever, right? But I remember the Holy Spirit just saying, God, what do I do? I'm, I'm asking God, what do I do, what do I do? And I just hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying to me, Brian, somebody has to die. And what that means is to ourselves, not like literally. Because <laughs> I'm still here, right? Somebody has to lay themselves down. Who's it going to be? That's what mature people do. When Colin was a baby, newly born, and they're just like, can you just feed him so I can get some more sleep? And I was like, but I haven't drank my coffee yet. Doesn't he get that at 10 months old? <laughs> why, why doesn't he understand just have him wait a minute, <laughs> you know. Literally, I know that sounds stupid to you, but that is a conversation I had. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I'm smarter now. <laughs> but I was young and dumb and selfish. 
And then, you know, you grow up and you're like, no. If it's in the way, then I'm going to remove it. Get over it. That's what we do. We sacrifice for one another. And ultimately, we're sacrificing in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. You were here this morning, and you sacrificed an hour of sleep that you probably wanted to have. And some of you, somebody is watching you having done that, and it's impacting their souls. Believe it or not, it's making a difference in their life. Something my parents did really right. I mean, they were in church every Sunday. When the doors were open, we were there. They did that right in my life. A lot. And it made an impact in my life, right? It's not empty sacrifice. It's with a purpose, and it's for a person. It's for the Lord, and it's for others. It's not just sacrifice for the sake of it, okay? And that's what we do, all right? And he talks about, I never demand my rights. So here's a few things that are fairly open-handed issues, but aren't to some people. For example, okay, the earring thing. Some of you, now it's not a thing anymore. It's not so much of a thing. But if, I, if somebody called me and said, Pastor Brian, would you come preach at our fundamental Baptist church, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they did, and I was all, all meddled up, you know what? I would take it out, because they're going to stumble. They're not going to hear what I have to say because of that. So I'm going to take it out. Keep going, guys. Just put them up. All right? Alcohol. Same thing. We just talked about that a little bit ago. Keep going. All right? Tattoos. Tattoos are fine. Can you get them? You can. But if Pastor Brian next week walked in with a giant face tattoo across here, across, and, and, you know, some of you would be like, oh, I'm bringing my 10 friends now, right? And some of you would be like, I'm praying about going to another church. Everybody's going to be in a different place. So you know what? I don't, now, most of you don't care. Most of you are free in that way. I don't do it. My wife cares, right? Because it wouldn't look good. Okay? Some of you are like, Pastor Ryan, you should get a tattoo. I'm 43 with five. Come on. <laughs> like, I don't care anymore. I don't want to be the guy who's like pulling wrinkles back one day and be like, look. <laughs> like, it just, I've let it go. And for those of you who are, who are good for you, you know, like, <laughs> my body's not the work of art some others are. So, but are you free to? You are. You know, but early on, like, I was in more conservative churches for several years. And that was an issue for them. It's not an issue now. It's very free now. But it wasn't for a long time. So I didn't. There was a season in my life I wanted it. Now I'm like, that's a tank of gas. I'm just going to get gas. Right? <laughs> Good for you. All right, so keep going. Jokes. You may not know this. I like to tell jokes. Sometimes they've gotten me in trouble. Maybe some things I have said today have upset some of you. I don't mean to, I don't try to, and believe me, there's a lot more things I want to say that I don't because they make somebody stumble. I have, I have said some things in jokes and that people don't know it was a joke. It does not go well for me. You know, we realize we just can't do and say everything. Here's another one. Here's a big one. Tongues, right? Some, we, I... I do believe in and speak in tongues, and I want that for all of you. But nobody ever in this house is going to make you or pressure you to speak in tongues. 
Because that is not the end goal of faith. It's not. So if you're like, that worries me, take a deep breath, relax. (laughs) If that's going to happen in your life, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. That's it. Relax. It's just a beautiful prayer language we have with the Lord. It edifies my spirit. It's awesome. But is it the major? No. It's not a major. Okay, keep going. There's a few more. Disney. Some of you are like, oh, I love Disney. And some of you are like, Disney. It's Latin for demonic. (laughs) All the non-church people are like, what's wrong with Disney? All right, so I'm not going to go into all that. I don't have clips. I'm not getting into everything. Okay, Disney was great for a season. They, they had family friendliness. They have veered away from a lot of that. Recently, an episode of The Proud Family on Disney Plus where she literally spouts Nicole Hannah-Jones' critical race theory stuff that, you know, America's founded solely on slavery and racism. No, it isn't. Disagree, and I don't want to teach my children that. America has evil in its past. It has slavery and racism in its past. It's a horrible part of our history. We repent of it. But it's not the whole. And there's numerous other things in Disney. And there's some things that are older and good and treasure. And you've got to figure that out. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, Thou shalt not enjoy Disney past 2012. (laughs) It doesn't say it. So you're going to have to walk it out. You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to weigh that against your own conscience. I will say this as your pastor. Don't ever put your kids just in front of a TV, turn it on, and walk away and not know what's going on. That happened to me one time. <laughs> I don't know. Can I say this? All right. All right. I, it was an accident. I wasn't completely careless father. Nathan's like two. And... Upstairs, we were living in a parsonage next door to the church. We did not have cable. There was, this is pre-streaming. So, you know, back when we rode dinosaurs. And, and I put on for him, I think he was watching, was it Arthur, maybe? Clifford? Something like that. One of the PBS shows. Not Caillou. He's the worst. Okay? All right. And, and I put it on. And, and, and Ange comes home. And she's like, where's Nate? Oh, I'm like, he's watching the PBS. She's like... Those shows ended. What is he watching? I'm like, I don't know. And we ran upstairs, and there's Nathan just enjoying an episode of Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't watch Family Guy, by the way. Turn it off. We have a conversation with him. So we think everything's fine. Till about a week later, <laughs> Grandpa babysits one night, little Nate and Colin come home, and we said, how it goes? He's like, oh, it was fine. Well, there was one thing. <laughs> what was it? So I'm going to clean it up just a hair. Nathan said, what the heck? But he didn't say heck. <laughs> so we had to have a conversation. Well... It had entrenched itself, and for a couple of weeks, one of the pastor's kids at the church was just walking around going, what the heck, what the heck, what the heck, what the heck? Like a little three-year-old, but he wasn't saying heck. (laughs) Took a minute. Don't put your kids in front of a TV and just let it run. You could say, well, I haven't done that. I I would never do that. I didn't mean to do it either, but even on Disney+, it's more like that's easier to confront than an insidious message in a cartoon of anything that tells them lies that are untrue 
and it's, quote, safe. Like, that's much easier to confront. Like, this was wrong. Let's not do this. But to say, well, this one told me I could be any gender I want. And that was an episode of Et cetera on Disney Plus or PBS Kids or whatever. No, cut, come in on that, step in on that. Draw the line on that. But you're going to have to walk those things out. You gotta, it's hard. It's difficult. Okay, keep going. There, there might be one or two more. Just put the rest up there. Movies, right? We've talked about that. Music types, non-Christian music. That was a long, for a long time, uh, non-Christian music, like secular music. That was what we called it. Secular. We can't listen to secular music. Oh, you guys remember that? <laughs> what did we do before the 1980s when there was no Christian music? <laughs> you know, um, I guess nobody was saved, right? In the early 2000s, late 90s, in the 90s and the early 2000s, we had CD smashing parties. You guys remember those? Anybody here? Yeah, you went to one or two at our youth groups. Nobody smashed their iPhones now, though. Nobody's doing that, right? Doesn't really work, does it? But we do have to navigate it. What we can and can't listen to. What's going to contaminate our souls, what's going to be detrimental to us, and what isn't. But here's what he's not saying in this scripture. When he says, I lay down my rights, here's what he's not saying. He's not saying you can't exercise any rights. I had a few people during all the COVID stuff try and bring that to me. You're, you're not laying down your rights for the rights of others. For, you're, not, you're looking out for your own freedom because you're not making people wear masks and you're not making sure uh, you're not making a vaccine passport at church and you're not making everybody sit far away from each other and you're not capping the limit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody who would say that, I would say, first of all, read the whole Bible, not just the part of the verse that makes you feel good. Say, I would lay down on my own rights. So if you're somebody who's like, I had to do all those things and I think they were right, all right, good for you. And for some of us, in our own context, we had, to, we had to answer a different way. Paul's also the same guy who said, I'm a Roman citizen and you can't treat me like this. And I'm going to show that you can't treat me like this so you don't do it again. Why? Because the point is not our rights or not our rights. The point is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he drove home. I won't, I'll lay down all my rights if it means extending the gospel but he'll also, will also fight for our rights if it means extending the gospel. If you believe that in this country they are not trying to slowly eradicate Christianity as norm, not just to the margins, but eventually legalize it, you are foolish and you should be exercising the rights you still have in order to proclaim the gospel as much as you possibly can. Because the moment we can't, it is gone forever. It doesn't come back. Paul did that too. We give all of our rights to anything that might stand in the way of the gospel in someone's heart when we can. But we don't give up our rights to anything that will sacrifice the gospel. When somebody says you can't gather, if you do gather, you got to have something cover in your face. you got to limit the amount of people who can hear in the gathering, etc. Guess what? You put limitations on the gospel, and I will not abide. We won't abide with that. Why? Not because I'm not willing to lay down my rights. I wore my mask in Target. But in this place, we're going to worship the Lord in the Bible, and God is going to dictate it, and nothing's going to limit the gospel where we, are, where we can share it. Does this make sense to you? Am I making sense? 
Why? Some, for some people, this is complicated. This is, like, there's a lot. And he, he finishes with this. Chapter nine, uh, chapter 9, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who don't follow the Jewish law, I live apart from the law so I can bring the Gentiles who don't follow Jewish law, I can bring to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, but I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Do you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do, do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, athlete training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Everything we do, every decision we make, every step we're taking should be to win people. We run to win with people as much as we possibly can. And we're all called to win and run in our own race. There are churches that did things very differently than us in COVID, and God was with them too. Because everybody's got to run their own race, not ours. Do you see what I mean? Is your race running, not just to win just your kids, but everybody you can to see as many people as you can come to know the Lord? Are you running to win? There we go. (laughs) We do Easter big here. And the reason why we do isn't to just have a big outpouring. It's to win with people. We want to win people to Jesus. We want to see their hearts won over. Val, I'm super excited for the daddy-daughter dance. Super excited. I said to Val from day one, like, can we do this? But if we do it, we need to make it an outreach of some kind. They have to hear. They have to be invited. They have to know that we want them, that we're for them. We run to win people. Years ago, I was at a wedding, and all the people at this wedding were pretty much like Bible college graduates from a, a Bible college I did not go to. And I remember they just had this freedom to drink that my wife and I just didn't have. I remember this wedding so vividly because when we, we were like one of the last ones to leave, it wasn't the bride and groom. It was like their friends and their family and stuff like that. But they were just alcohol, empty alcohol everywhere. And I just remember thinking, what kind of witness is this to the world? They're all claiming to be believers. But when they leave this room, does it look like believers were here? I'm not saying you can't have a drink. Of course, you got to do what you got to do. You know, you, you have freedom. 
but does it look like it? You see what I mean? Am I running to win with people? When we're in Mardi Gras, we do everything we can to just start conversations with finding that common ground. Where have you been? Where are you from? Oh, I've been there. What's your name? What's your, what's your family like? Just common ground to win people. Let them know we're on level ground together here. I'm not better, neither are you. We need to win with people. They need to know they're loved. When we disagree, they need to know we still love them. It's one of the lies of our day. Tolerance is full acceptance and endorsement of everything somebody else believes. It's not tolerance. You didn't tolerate anything. (laughs) You just embraced it and lifted it up. It's not tolerance. When we disagree with somebody and then still love them, that is actually against cultural grain now. And it will make an impact if we do it long enough. When we disagree with somebody politically and we say, but I still love you. When we disagree with somebody about um, uh, sexuality or or alcoholism or drugs or etc. But I still love you. I'm still for you. The world loves to use the scripture, don't judge me. They have no clue what it means, how Jesus said it, who he was referring to. They they don't have a clue. (laughs) But we'll win with them when we show them, even when we disagree, I still love you. Still for you. We saw that on the streets of Mardi Gras. Numerous people who were confronted. They, you know what's amazing? The law of God is written on men's hearts. And almost everybody knows when they're finally confronted, yeah, I know this is sin. I know this is wrong. I know this is hurtful. But they want to ignore it. And when we show them yeah, it's wrong, but you know what? I still love you. You are going to win with people. And we don't just run to win people. Most of all, we run to win with the Lord. Someday, someday we hope the Lord will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Can you say that? You say, I'm running that race as best I can. To hear, well done. Or am I going to hear the ways, well, you squeaked in, but we're glad you're here. Or we're going to hear from the Lord, well done. Does anybody want to hear from the Lord, hey, you did half of everything you could have. Good job. I don't want to hear that. Savior say to me well done you ran the race you didn't quit you didn't bow out you didn't give up you didn't compromise you didn't beat people up along the way you took as many with you as you possibly could Lord let us live that way 
good question for life, isn't it? God, is this decision going to hear me? Help me hear you say, well done. That's a, that's a good way to make big decisions, isn't it? Is this decision going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Jesse and LaDonna, they took our Utah wave encounter this weekend over at Living Water, and they lost their hour of sleep, and they lost more sleep the night before, and they're here today just serving. Well done. Well done. The heart of God. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.